This is Lincoln A to Z. Lincoln A to Z. Lincoln A to Z. We've chosen 52 squares at random from the Lincoln A to Z street map. E and And now we have to go to all 52 and make a program about each and every one. Lincoln A to Lincoln Z. Lincoln A to Z. Each week we'll be setting off on our trusty bikes to find a different grid. Lincoln A to Z. We could find ourselves in a leafy residential area, a bustling city street, or a completely empty field. We'll present our findings every week here on Siren FM as we uncover Lincoln one grid at a time. Lincoln A to Z. 52 grids, two men, one map, no clue. Yes, that's right. We're back after a short break. Lincoln A to Z on the East Midlands radio station of the year, Siren 107.3 FM. We're on sirenonline.co.uk and via the radio player app too. I'm Paul Tyler and the wizard behind the desk doing all the hard work is Johnny Hoare. Hi, Johnny. Hello there. Hello. Uh, Now, pleasantries out of the way. Which grid are we going to be poking around in this week? My name is Jonathan Richards. I've lived in Lincoln for one year. I think Lincoln's awesome. Q9. Lincoln A to Z on Siren FM. Q9. Johnny, Johnny, tell me what's in this grid. Okay, Q9 is uh, the area all around Lincoln County Hospital, really. So you've got the prison, you've got uh, Greetwell Road, Sewell Road, St Anne's Road, and the top bit of the Arboretum. Excellent, thank you. And if you know about this or any of our 52 grids, then please let us know. You can email us, Lincoln a to z at sirenonline.co.uk find us on the facebook and of course we're on twitter hashtag lincoln a to z and uh, so actually is the siren fm studio direct to us here at studio siren fm and uh, you can also find out which grids we've looked at and where we're going on our fabulous website lincoln a to z dot co dot uk and in there you'll find all our previous podcasts as well as where we're going to be going uh, later in this series and towards the end uh, as we're heading it's all downhill from now and we've gone over the uh, the big hump the halfway hump and we are skiing downhill now uh, and it feels great uh, but now uh, it's time to visit that grid it's a new series series five and what better place to start than a location of birth of a new life so uh to q9 and uh, the majority of this grid, I would say, uh, is really taken up by Lincoln County Hospital. And our starting point for this um, is, well, it's a cliche, but hey, we're not frightened of that, as you'll probably know, uh, is outside the maternity wing, outside the ground level of the maternity wing of Lincoln County Hospital. And uh, just outside, there's the usual usual sights of, uh, well, everyone looking for a parking space. Um, some people outside looking, uh, well, scared and worried as you do, uh, uh, whether you've got good news or bad news, really, around here. Uh, and taxis, of course, taxis coming to uh, to and from to uh, to collect people and drop them off. And of course, where would we be outside a hospital without the uh, obligatory smokers outside the hospital doors, uh, as the uh, as the editors so perfectly put it? Um, but one thing I've noticed, and we're all about noticing things on, on, on A to Z that we've not noticed before, is a great big chimney. Johnny, have a, have, a, have a gander over there. Look at that chimney. Now that fills me with questions, but I'm not really sure I want to know the answers as to what they're burning in there. Yeah, there's clearly um, an incinerator unit below that. Um, but as you say, probably best draw a veil over what they might be burning in there. Yeah, yeah, we'll leave that to them. That's their business. It's not ours as long as it's not me uh, or anyone I know, then that's fine. 
Um, hey, look at that. That's a lovely site, isn't it? Actually, this, is, this feels a little bit voyeuristic, perhaps, uh, but we've just seen uh, a lady uh, leave, leave the hospital doors there with uh, a newborn baby uh, in her arms. That's, that's, quite a, that's a really, really nice thing, isn't it? That is lovely, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, as you know, uh, I had a, a baby last year, late last year, uh, but we didn't come here. We, we had our baby at home. Now, when, when did you make that decision? Now, this intrigues me. When did you, because we were asked the same question. We came to the classes up here, uh, and I said, uh, much sure everyone's discussed that, I want to be uh, around machines that go beep. Um, and then, you know, but to be fair, the lady did say, uh, the, the, the nurse there did say about the statistics and really tried to encourage everybody to have a, a home birth, you know, because it's, it's far, more, uh, far more natural. The chances of anything going wrong are very few and far between. And actually living in Lincoln, we're very, very close to someone who can help out uh, should that happen. Um, but no, against all advice, <laughs> we stubbornly remained uh, uh, that, 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 we would, uh, that we would come to the hospital. Um, so how, do you, how did you go about that decision? Bearing in mind, you don't have to answer this personal question if you don't want to. Yeah, no, no, we, uh, we were always just quite keen on the idea. It just seemed like a nice way to do it. I like the idea of... You know, when my daughter's a bit older, being able to take her into the, the study at the back of our house and say, you were born here, this precise spot, this is where you came into the world. And as you say, there's a lot of statistics about it. Um, it's, it's supposedly safer, you know, you're, you're away from infections, from all the other, you know, nasties that you get in hospitals. And even though you have, you have two midwives, we actually have four midwives in total um, over the, the course of the, the labour. It went on for quite a while. Really? Um, yeah, but they, they kept kind of changing shifts. Um, but apparently, even with four midwives kind of coming to our house, especially for us, it's apparently still cheaper than for the NHS than a hospital. I see. Which is probably one of the reasons why they're trying to encourage it as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was really nice. It's meant to be better for the baby. It's more relaxed. Although, then there's then the scary thing. If you're in hospital, you know, and you have your baby, you then go back to the ward and you're still on the ward. You've got nurses around, lots of other people you can ask. Uh, for us, about two hours after she was born, the nurses pack up their bags and go. And we're on our own in our house with a baby and no concept of what to do with it or what we, and we looked at each other and thought well, I suppose we should go to bed now um, how do we do that <laughs> what, what do we need to do that how do, how do I change this nappy what do I do I know you see I mean you, for a long time you've had a, a dog he's very well trained very yes. well brought yeah. up uh, Albert um, but he's a little bit different isn't it? it yeah yeah just a bit yeah. <laughs> good, good. Well, my, my experience was it, it was delightful. And uh, the second midwife said to me, you, you, it, was, it was delightfully quick. She said, you might want to pop your head down in. I said, well, I might, I might. I'll, I'll, I'll wait till she's about 18, something like that. No, no, it was, uh, yeah, it was. It was a, a wonderful experience. Maternity-wise and the hospital-wise, you see, it's funny, I did, I did, as my usual, one page of Google research before uh, we came to this grid. And it's the NHS, isn't it? The NHS thing where... You can read one page, and it's very much like, and I know we've referred to this before, but there's quite a lot of this in society, so I quite like referring to it. It's a good point. Uh, the Jeremy Vine show. You'll have one white van man ring up and say, ah, the NHS, lovely, love it. And then another white van man ring up and say, oh, no, no, my experiences are terrible. So, obviously, there's good and bad things that, that, that happen. But it's, it's one of the things about reporting news where no one ever says a childbirth went well today. Um, you know, someone came into hospital and they, they managed to save their life and this kind of thing. And they, they do, but it's, it's really rare. It always sort of focuses on the negative. Um, and a very, very short, as usual, my, my research is, uh, is minuscule. You know, we leave that to the experts. And uh, again, just one page of it, half and half. People say, wonderful service, never felt better. The hands of the NHS, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, and then other people saying that, you know, oh, it, it was shocking, terrible. And it's, it's, it's very much a human place. You know, you've got, you've got your buildings and your machines, uh, but it really comes down to human care uh, and the good work of, of doctors and nurses. 
Yeah, as you say, people people do pick up on the negatives a lot more than the positives. I mean, just just very recently uh, in this very maternity wing that we're standing outside now, apparently uh, a mistake was made uh, a couple of months back, and um, a lady had a, a a tampon stitched up inside her uh, accidentally after a, a cesarean. So they use it to, to mop up blood and stuff, and, and they just made a mistake and left it in there. And of course, that's big news, and it's all over the papers. But as you say, what they don't report are the hundreds, thousands of births and of you know little miracles that happen in, in these places. And when you stand here in this car park, you know, very dull car park with some quite ugly buildings around us, you can forget that actually there's beautiful, life-changing things happening in that building right there every day, you know, multiple times. So it may look a bit grey and dull from the outside. But, you know, for a lot of people, that, that building's really important to them and it's, it, it marks a, a really big sort of changing point in their lives. It does. And just a very quick uh, walk, uh, just down south, heading south from the maternity wing. And, well, a place, to be honest, we've, we, we've walked in and turned around because we really felt we shouldn't be there. But just a little sign on, on, on the walls and things like that, that, that sort of... Tell you the depth and things that, that the NHS runs to, which is like the research and development and uh, the cancer research and uh, pathology. Now, I don't really know what pathology is. I don't particularly want to know right now. Uh, I think I've seen it might be on Casualty or Holby City, something like that. I feel like I should know what... Uh, what that is but underneath it the sign says mortuary uh, so it's kind of connected to that so I'm walking the other way um, I'm, uh, I'm walking away from uh, from death uh, which yeah, seems to be the thing to do maybe a cliche but again quite poignant perhaps that the uh, you know the maternity wing is so close to the mortuary at the beginning of life at the end of life about what 50 metres away from each other yeah. Yeah. yeah we don't move far in Lincolnshire do we <laughs> So uh, just searching for somewhere uh, quieter away from the busy road, uh, busy Greetwell Road. And we're off, uh, off St Anne's Road and uh, just outside the, uh, the Hospital Sports and Social Club, uh, which uh, rather delightfully is full of uh, cigarette butts in a puddle uh, just outside the door. Uh, but that's always the old adage, isn't it, about doctors who smoke? And, you know, we're not going to go into that one. But this is, this is where uh, I'm sure many, many people in Lincoln know, uh, know where we're talking about because this is where you come... Uh, one of the places you can come to give blood and uh, both Johnny and I uh, have given blood uh, not for a while we both must confess um, I think the last time I came was probably this time last year I think I made a New Year's resolution that I was going to uh, and as always perhaps just after Christmas uh, I would perhaps had too much fun at Christmas got a bit ill and uh, they, they turned me away and I wouldn't say I got snotty about it uh, but I had spent a lot of time waiting uh, but there's still no excuse you know there's, there's still absolutely no excuse and uh, I, I think you and I should perhaps both make a, a commitment here on the radio because let's face it a radio commitment is better than any other commitment uh, that we should uh, get ourselves back here and uh, open our veins up a bit yeah although uh, I can't remember if it was the last time I came to give blood or the time before but I did actually after doing it feel a bit faint you know like some kind of fave Victorian woman I was <laughs> clutching my hand to my brow and you know wobbling around on my legs and yeah it was, it was strange it's the first time it's ever happened to me which is weird I've been giving blood for years and suddenly it had that effect on me quite why I don't know uh, perhaps too many biscuits afterwards quite possibly yeah that's the best bit of it though I mean the biscuit the tea and the biscuits afterwards that's what you come for really but it's as you say very worthwhile thing to do I mean we really should do it more often so uh, whenever you went to give blood in that hall any time I went there there was always the remnants of you know, the last staff Christmas party, there was always a balloon stuck to the ceiling or a little bit of, you know, yeah. tinsel in one corner. You know, it was, of course, you lay back on the bed, you yeah. know, as you give your blood, and you, you're contemplating the ceiling, and, yeah, you can see the, the detritus of 
last year's Christmas do. Are they practically even there on purpose? Something for you to focus on? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. While your veins are open and the blood's pouring out of you. Well, uh, many apologies for the uh, the gory details there. I, I, I'd, I'd forgotten I'd said that, and uh, well, I'm surprised you left that in, Johnny. Well, we're after nine o'clock, aren't we? I suppose. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we're broadcasting in the in the UK, so we're after the watershed, aren't we? Yeah, no, it's fine. People so, like us. <laughs> they do now. I did, just going back on that pathology. I, I said I didn't know what pathology was. Of course, I know what pathology was. Silent witness, isn't it? Amelia Fox. Of course, I know what pathology is. Yeah, or Quincy. <laughs> if you're my age. Yeah, yeah, there's one for the kids, eh? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, so giving blood. Well, we recorded that a little while ago now, and we've uh, we're still not done it, have we? No, no. Um, so we need to renew that radio commitment, which we know now is like no other commitment around. Yeah. Uh, it turns it turns out if you say it in a microphone, you don't necessarily have to do it. But you no, know, no, no. Well, we, I said I was going to do the 10k, and I didn't. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're a Larry letdown in every uh, every yeah, yeah. every uh, every which way. Uh, now that birth, your home birth, Johnny. You had a birthing pool around, didn't you? We did, yeah, yeah. I had to uh, blow it up, not not by mouth. I, I had a pump. You have a pump. Um, and then yeah, afterwards I had to. Well, during I had a little um, fishing net <laughs> with which I had to remove any of the the, the more unpleasant detritus. <laughs> Um, and then afterwards, I had to empty it, which wasn't pleasant either. So, uh, yeah. Where did you empty it into? And how did you do it? Did you do it with a bucket? Um, we used a pump again to, to get most of the water out. And it went straight down the drain. And the rest of it, yeah, it, it went on my garden. And, yeah, rather worryingly, my dog then spent a lot of time sniffing around it. But That's true. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, so, but you've still got the pool? Uh, no, no, we borrowed it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. We should have bought one, then we could have just used it as a jacuzzi or something. I was going to say, because I mean, I'd be in that most weekends, I think. Yeah, yeah hot tub. <laughs> yeah, that's going back a series now, isn't it? <laughs> hot tub Johnny, it was, uh, was it a nickname that we're going to have to go back to series four. And, uh, and I'll walk around South Highcombe to find out where Hot Tub Johnny got his nickname from. Lincoln A to Z. Okay, now, on Lincoln A to Z, on Siren FM, it's time for my favourite feature. And uh, it's the part of the programme that gives this random waffle some kind of authenticity. Here's Joe Hughes from the Lincolnshire Archive to tell us about the history of our Q9 grid. The area of this week's grid square has been taking care of the county's health for over a 100 years. But for centuries before the hospital was built, the area would have been a relatively peaceful rural landscape on the fringes of the city. Old maps show windmills standing at the intersection of Lindham Terrace and Sewell Road, making the most of the winds which still gust up from the valley below. Go back further through time to when Lincoln was a Roman legionary town and the area was probably much busier, with the land being used to help support the military population rather than the indigenous Britons. Fields would have provided food to feed the city's Roman personnel, whilst the quarries which provided the stone for the city's defences and buildings are still visible today, albeit filled in with later housing. Greetwell Gate itself was a Roman road which led out to Roman villas we know were situated out here beyond the city walls. One such villa was discovered in the 1880s nearby, with all the latest Roman interior design features such as underfloor heating, elaborate plaster wall paintings and mosaic floors. There were Roman cemeteries around here too, as it was generally Roman practice to bury its dead outside the city walls. However, by the 18th century our grid square was very much concerned with the care of the living. The hospital was originally founded in 1768, and after temporary accommodation was moved to the purpose-built building we now know as Chadvara House on Drury Lane, below Castle Square. The need for larger premises increased as the city grew, 
so that in 1875 the old fields on Sewell Road were chosen for construction. Obviously, being just above the ridge, this would have been a healthy, airy site, important in an age where domestic and industrial smoke would have made anywhere less exposed, less conducive to recuperation. It wasn't just the sighting of the hospital which had had thought put into it, though. The design itself expressed a psychological intent in keeping with the age. It was architect Alexander Graham who, with the latest medical thinking in mind, designed a building in what's been called the Hatfield House style. It's a good name, as it did indeed resemble a country house, with impressive facades overlooking the valley, connected to relatively low-rise blocks via corridors with views. Even this layout had a medical practicality, as these relatively self-contained wings would have come into their own in preventing the spread of infectious diseases throughout the building. At the time, it would have been seen from some distance, a bold statement set in stone by the hospital community about their professional intent for patient care and medical treatment. A chapel was included on the site to serve the spiritual recuperation of the patients, whilst other blocks were added in subsequent decades until it covered a massive area. Over the years, many of the Victorian buildings have been pulled down to make way for the new ones which serve today's medical health care community. And whilst it may seem sad that some of the older buildings have been torn down after so many years of faithful service, their modern replacements have been designed with the same consideration for contemporary medical needs in exactly the same way as the Victorians designed their buildings over a hundred years ago. As always, our thanks to Joe Hughes from the Lincolnshire Archives letting us in on the past of our Q9 grid square. Lincoln A to Z on Siren FM. Find us on Twitter at Lincoln A to Z. Now it's time for the second part of our grid visit to Q9. And as usual, our tummies are rumbling. A bit further along on, on St Anne's Road now. Huge, uh, I think, staff uh, hospital car park, but signed to... Uh, to catering. Uh, regular listeners will know that, that Johnny and I are always uh, peckish. Um, and I, I even quite fancy some hospital food right now. Remember when we were kids and it used to be uh, that used to be kind of a threat, didn't it? Do you remember? It must have been on a TV programme or something. Uh, but certainly around school it was like, do you like hospital food? It was, it was, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, you don't hear that so much now. I mean, this is, I say wrong, uh, St Anne's Road and it's a bit of a sad sight really because where we're standing now used to be the entrance to the hospital. A lot of um, this whole area here was part of the hospital and I, I spent a bit of time in the hospital when I was a kid I had various issues with my eyes and stuff like that and so you know I came here quite a bit and the, I think the children's ward used to be probably somewhere around where this car park is now it's all gone now of course uh, but Ruston ward which was the the children's ward where I spent quite a bit of time I quite enjoyed it because there was uh, an enormous amount of lego in the playroom <laughs> uh, so I was actually quite quite looking forward to, uh, to coming into hospital but uh, yeah, all gone now. And of course, Ruston Ward itself, there is still a children's ward, but it's now called, I believe, Rainforest Ward, uh, which I really don't like. I mean, the reason it was called Ruston Ward was because uh, Sir Joseph Ruston, who was a, a very uh, important person in, in, in the history of Lincoln, uh, you know, owner of big engineering works, and more importantly, actually paid for much of the original hospital to be built. Um, so it's fair enough that he had his name on a ward, and I think it's probably a little bit sad that somebody has chosen to remove that and replacing it with Rainforest Ward, which is frankly fairly meaningless, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's kind of, it has been put to a, a committee exactly, and, yeah. uh, and the best they could do at three o'clock in the morning when they, wanted, they finally wanted to go home was uh, Rainforest. Yeah, and poor old Sir Joseph Ruston put all his money into that hospital and he didn't get his name on it anymore. I think it's a bit of a shame. It is. Well, Johnny, I'm about to cheer you up uh, with some music. 
because uh, while we were talking there, we've uh, we've walked around and we're now in the top of the Arboretum. And um, there's a, a fantastic park here uh, with a great big CCTV thing in the middle, uh, which is pretty vulgar. Uh, but there's a great little play park here. It's not your traditional play park. It's a bit more adventurous. There's a swing boat, a bit of a climbing frame and slides and that kind of thing. But there's you know there's no swings or roundabouts. But you do get this uh, this great thing that makes uh, a noise. If I tread on it, you get this noise. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you can spend quite a long time, uh, but if you bring a three-year-old, they lose patience with that surprisingly quickly. Yeah. Uh, and they say, get off, Daddy, get off. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's my turn now. Um, yeah, they always spoil the fun. So in now, around, really are around the back, the back entrance. The tradesman is, in fact, the tradesman's entrance. I say, I mean... You know, we've talked about the uh, the hospital and how important it is and how you know what great work goes on inside it. I'd say the building itself, I think, is one of the worst in Lincoln in some respects. It's been built in a really piecemeal kind of way, bits can get bolted onto it. It's a huge, great sprawling site, and I've never quite understood why it's only about two stories high. And the problem with that is it means everything is miles away from everything else. Uh, I remember one time coming to the hospital and a nurse sending us off to another ward uh, to you know, do a sample or something. And she said, oh, it's just down the corridor there. And so we started walking and we walked and we walked and we walked and we must have gone about half a mile down a corridor uh, before finally reaching this other ward. And that's, that's what's going to happen if you build it all on, on essentially on one level. I feel sorry for the porters. Yeah, they must cover some ground, mustn't they? Mm. Rather than going up and down in a lift, they must cover some ground. Maybe the fellow who's been who's been designing it and planning the whole thing uh, has vertigo. Maybe. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone's planning this. It's they just <laughs> seem to when they get a bit of money, they they build a little bit on. You know, understandable, but you know, there needs to be a master plan. Uh, right. Okay. Well, I've caught with a master plan. Uh, when they go up here through uh, entrance B, I can see a sign saying access. So uh, you were feeling sorry for the porters, right? You're inside now. Feels a bit peculiar, doesn't it? We're not really, not really here for a reason. Uh, more voyeuristic than we've ever felt, I think, than uh, anything. It feels like we've uh, uh, invading privacy a bit, but we are in a public place and a public space, and we've paid for this. <laughs> we've paid for this. I know my rights. But just now, you were talking about how you would feel sorry for the porters. I've just seen one whizzing by on a on a motorised cart. I think they're on Easy Street. They're living the dream. Yeah, this don't feel right. No, it's very old. We haven't even sanitised our hands. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's hard to know how to feel right now. We're just taking a walk through through the hospital, which is, you know, the corridors are perhaps a, you know, a public place, but it really did feel like we were um, we, we, without a, a real intention to be there. You know, we, we, obviously we're, we're making a radio programme. Uh, we believe it's quite important, but I think it's probably quite uh, less so in the eyes of everything that was going on underneath that roof. Uh, there were, there were uh, obviously people going to visit people, patients in there, um, a very Johnny man in a wheelchair who tried to run over a little kid. 
Um, uh, but he seemed quite happy about it, but the kid less so. Um, and just people going about their business. And, and I didn't really feel comfortable uh, bringing the, the, the microphone out uh, to sort of talk about it because we've got no business being there. Yeah, I, I, I kind of felt the same. I felt very self-conscious about carrying my camera around and I, I kept expecting somebody to challenge us at some point. What, what are you doing here? What's up with you? You, you don't look ill. Yeah, exactly. Perhaps they should. Maybe they should, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But as you say, it is, it is a public building. You can walk through it if you want to. I don't advise people to do that. And there is a kind of atmosphere. You know, everyone lowers their voice when they're going to a hospital a bit, don't they? Yeah. And, you know, you're, you're aware that there's stuff going on in there that, you know, some people are having difficult times in there. There's... there's I was thinking that as we were walking through, I'm thinking that, that no one's there for any fun. No, no. Um, and it can be something as trivial as, 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 as my uh, wisdom teeth were. Um, at the time, it didn't feel trivial, but, you know, looking back now, it perhaps was. Uh, to, to, to the more serious thing, and it really brought back some memories for me that uh, I, I, I didn't particularly want to have right now. It's not somewhere you want to just hang out, really, is it? Well, we're about to, to cross the road to the, to the last part of our grid walk over the road from the hospital is uh, another building another institution uh, and it's Lincoln Prison uh, again one page of, uh, of, of Google uh, research which is the most I ever do before we come on a grid visit uh, tells me this is a class B prison um, I didn't read any further on to tell me what a class B is um, it's, uh, people who've done no good I would say oh, I've never been in a prison for, for any reason, whether it was a visitor or as a, a convict. I have. Uh, or as a convict. <laughs> no, uh, no, no, no. I, I went for a, uh, a job interview inside oh, a prison. Okay. Now, I decided pretty much uh, as I'd walked through and gone through the check, the, the sort of check rooms you have to do and you leave all your things in a, in a bowl, uh, in reception, I'd pretty much decided at that point that I didn't want the job. I sometimes joke uh, that the place I work is a bit like a prison because it has no natural daylight and big fences around the outside. And this, believe me, is, I, I kind of don't really mean that anymore because actually being inside a prison, you really do get that feeling of incarceration and your, your freedoms and your liberties taken from you. It's not, it is not like the outside world. Uh, and that's, that's just from a, a, a fleeting glimpse. Yeah. Also, it's interesting the, how close together the prison and the hospital are in Lincoln, you know, literally opposite sides of the road. And... You know, there's a maternity wing just inside of us here, and there must be there must be people who, you know, brought their newborn baby out of that that maternity wing with all the high hopes and you know dreams for the future for their, their newborn baby, and then about 20 years later found themselves back here on Greenwell Road um, in slightly less happy circumstances with that same baby now a, a grown adult uh, entering the prison over there. I mean, that, that must have happened. There must be people who were born over there went to prison over there and quite possibly died over there yeah uh, would you necessarily we're looking at some houses there would you necessarily want to live in a house uh that's opposite a prison I don't, there's always the, the opportunity isn't there that somebody will escape and then come banging on your back door and and uh you know kind of force you to to hide them when the when the the rosers come looking for them you see i had that theory but i think i always think they're perhaps going to want to get as far away as possible you think so, wouldn't you? But yeah, maybe in some ways the, the best thing is to hide in plain sight. That's what I always think. Mm. Well, you know, we've come to know you quite well uh, on uh, on the Lincoln A to Z as we've gone around our journeys around Lincoln, um, and I now know that you are a criminal mastermind. Mm. Um, so uh, I'm going to take your judgment on it. So uh, that person's garage over there, they might as well, you know, put a big padlock on it. Yeah. 
And I always imagine if, if a convict, an escaped convict, does come banging on your door and wants to be hidden, I, I imagine it very much like an episode of Steptoe and Son or something. I, I, <laughs> I, I imagine in reality it might be slightly more frightening and, and threatening than that, but you know, I'll, I, I imagine it in 70s sitcom terms, as I imagine most things, to be honest. In fact, I wonder how many people, when they look at that prison, are thinking of porridge. They, they're imagining that on the inside it's Norman Stanley Fletcher yeah. and Godber, you know, in a, in a little brick-walled cell. I don't know better than that. I don't know what a modern prison looks like. As far as I'm concerned, that's what prison's like. Uh, well, there we go. It's the end of the uh, the, the grid visit. And, of course, I, as we know, I know what a modern prison looks like inside. Uh, I've been for one of the worst job interview I ever had. Um, I, I, I decided probably before I went that I didn't really want it, and uh, it was—I don't know I even know why I went through with it. But it was—it was—it was terrible from start to finish. I wasn't suited for the job. How I ever got the interview in the first place, I don't know. They must have been very short on candidates for it. But it was—but I'm normally quite good in the job interview. That's the thing, you know. It's the, it's the application forms and things at the beginning that, that, that baffle me, and, and I, I never find the right wording for. Once you get me in front of someone, <laughs> as you might tell, I can talk my way around it, and I, you know I can, I'm usually okay. But uh, it certainly wasn't in that. But do you know what, Johnny? Do you know, how can we thinking that at the beginning of our well you might call it partnership <laughs> um, I don't know I mean and what I'm about to say might suggest that I'm in some way in charge around here and it's, it really couldn't be further from the truth but when you first approached me about being a producer on our, on our last programme uh, mm. at the reading room um, I'd already spent some time at Siren uh, and you approached me I never gave you like a, a job interview did I? You didn't actually no uh, oh, so, no. so maybe we should uh, conduct that now Okay. Uh, for wanting something to say, uh, can you operate uh, the faders and the the instruments you see in front of you? Uh, I'll give it a try. I think I can. Okay. Sounds good. And um, <laughs> would you like to be the producer? Um. Yeah. Go on then. Okay. Congratulations, Johnny. You've got the job. Hey. hey. Well, that's a cause for celebration on this bank holiday. Uh, Johnny is now uh, gainfully employed and uh, <laughs> with, uh, well, with no money. Uh, no money. It's a voluntary zero hours contract, uh, which seems to be the thing to do around here. Lincoln A to Z. A question of Lincoln. to review your contract Johnny <laughs> okay time now uh, for the second best uh, part of the program a question of Lincoln and um, we're going to go straight into it um, I was thinking I might no you go first this week Johnny alright I'll go first uh, nice easy one for you we've been visiting the area around Lincoln prison as we heard earlier so my question is quite simply <laughs> how many prisoners I was, I was going to. I was, was, gonna gonna I was going to do this question. Oh yeah. no! Does, I, does this mean you know the answer? No, 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 no. You didn't look it up. Of course not. Okay. No. Uh, no, I just, I didn't think it was a good enough question. But, <laughs> 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 but, uh, but right. Okay, okay. Let's go. Yeah. How many prisoners does oh. Lincoln Prison hold? So is it A, five hundred and eighty-three. Mm-hmm. Okay. B, six hundred and forty-nine. Okay, went yeah. Or C, seven hundred and twenty-seven. Your ten seconds starts now. I thought it was around about four hundred and something. So I'm gonna go. Middle for diddle with the six, was it 600 and something? Uh, 649. That's the one, that's me. You're going to go for that, yeah? Yes! I'm afraid not, it's 727. Rightly, blimey O'Reilly. I was a mile off the mark there. Right, okay. Uh, Now I've been stretching my search far and wide, Johnny, far and wide. Okay. Not just looking right under my nose, I've been going far and wide for this particular 
edition of a question of Lincoln. Now, my source this week is Fun Kids Radio. Oh, yeah. uh, and their site, they've got a, a Lincolnshire fact page. Right. Uh, which I'm, I know, the thing is, now I've told you that, you, you're going to be looking yeah, at it. Yeah, that sounds like a good source. I'm going to say, I'm pretty sure I might <laughs> use that for the rest of the series. <laughs> um, okay. Now, my question of Lincoln to you, Johnny, is that Lincolnshire and Northamptonshire share the shortest county border oh. in the whole of the UK. Right. I see you're learning now, aren't I you? I am, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. How long is it? Is it A, 19 metres? <laughs> right. B, 19 miles? Or C, 19 kilometres? 19 metres is ridiculous. Uh, now, which is longer, miles or kilometres? I actually don't know. <laughs> um, I think kilometres are longer, aren't they? No. Are they not? No. no oh, no. okay. All right, well, I'm going to say 19 kilometres then. You'll be incorrect. Incorrect. Oh dear, hang on. There we go, there we go. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to do your appraisal later on. Yeah. Um, no, it's only 19 metres. Really? Long. It's 19 metres. I was absolutely amazed That's at insane. this. That's insane. I know, though, you see? Puts your question in the, the frames, doesn't it? Yeah. Now, uh, according to Fun Kids Radio, uh, that's shorter than the length of a swimming pool. I love the way they measure things on kids' <laughs> stuff like that. If it's tall, it's, it's however many double-decker buses, isn't it? And, and quite a lot of the time, it's like the size of a football pitch or, yeah, or, yeah. or six football pitches. But it depends uh, how big a swimming pool should 19 metres. Do you know, yeah. I, I want nothing more to do now. I've got my bike here in the studio. I think I might go and find it after the programme. Yeah, I'm going along it. Yeah. A Lincoln A to Z Q9. Now it's time to hear from our house poet, Trevor Davis, with his take on our Q9 grid square. Q9, Maternity Unit, Lincoln County Hospital. Christmas Day 1991 was a quiet affair. The two of us had had Christmas lunch on our own at the house in Greetwell Gate. Anne was heavily pregnant and now two weeks overdue. We went out pretty much every night in the weeks running up to Christmas, determined to make the most of our last days of freedom. Six weeks earlier, we'd been in the Prince of Wales pub in the Bellgate. In those days, it was a proper local, small, cosy rooms, and good for a lock-in in the days before licensing laws became more liberal. At some point during the evening, the conversation came round to the baby's due date. Officially, this was the 12th of December, but of course these things are never certain. For a bit of fun, we decided to have a sweepstake. Pound in, and whoever guessed the actual birthday right took all the cash. The only rule was that nobody was allowed to choose Boxing Day, as this would be the day she would have to go in and have the birth induced had the baby not yet arrived. We came out of the pub that night with a 20-quid sweepstake cash in our pockets. The whole pub had taken part. On the way home, we passed the Raj Duth Indian restaurant, now the Saffron, so we stopped off and blew the lot on a curry. I had planned to replace the cash at the appropriate moment before handing it over to the winner. Winding the clock forward six weeks and the baby still hadn't arrived, so it looked very much as if we'd be going into the hospital on Boxing Day for the birth. After the Christmas lunch, I fell asleep on the sofa and Anne set to clearing away the table. When I woke up a few hours later, the whole house was spotless. The nesting instinct had kicked in and the big moment was obviously about to arrive. The contractions started early evening, but were not close enough together for us to go into the hospital. I started recording the intervals on a bit of paper on the bedside table. We didn't get much sleep that night, and by the morning had a complete record of the contractions, which gradually got closer and closer together. 
By 10am it was time to go in. The hospital was only a few hundred yards away, and it took minutes to get there. For much of the time I paraded around the ward chatting to the nurses and availing myself of the huge supplies of chocolate that had been donated by grateful patients. It was a lot easier for me than for Anne, who, this being her first child, had a pretty hard time of it. We went through three shifts of midwives until finally, twelve hours after our initial arrival at the hospital, Anne gave birth to a fine baby boy, who he named Thomas Allen Davis. It was too late to celebrate, as the pubs were by now all shut, and I went home to bed a tired but ecstatic parent. The next night I was back in the Prince of Wales with my mates to wet the baby's head. The subject of the sweepstake was brought up, and of course there was no winner. I told the boys that I'd spent the cash on flowers, without mentioning the fact that really we'd spent it on the curry that same night. In fact, I did buy the flowers from the shell garage on Burton Road. It being the day after Boxing Day, the flowers were getting past their best, but the woman in the shop, understanding their purpose, picked through all the bunches and gave me a huge bundle of the best she had, which were fine. Back on the ward in the hospital, Anne's bed was surrounded by colour, making everyone else's look a little pathetic by comparison. I kept both the piece of paper with the details of the contractions and the beer mat with the sweepstake guesses in my bedside table for years. Sadly, they were lost during our house move, but the story remains a nice little memento of what was a big moment in our lives. We visited the maternity unit another three times before settling on full as the ideal size brood. None of the others took as long to come out as the first, and there were no further sweepstakes involved, though I'm sure I must have felt it appropriate to wet the baby's head each time. I have since been to the Prince of Wales on many an occasion, but never again to the maternity unit. And I think he's probably been wetting those babies' heads ever since. There we go, there's Trevor Davis, our house poet. Uh, if you want to hear more uh, from Trevor Davis, you can uh, go to each of our podcasts because he contributes to every single episode and also you can visit his website philosopherontap.com Lincoln A to Z Okay so thank you everybody involved, uh, Joe and Treff as always, uh, you for listening and uh, okay Johnny I think the uh, the verdict uh, has to come out now uh, uh, about your continued employment here on Lincoln A to Z Okay um, Okay we'll keep you you'll do but only because uh, <laughs> you know I could possibly not do this without you. <laughs>